This evening's reading is from Daniel 9, which can be found on page 895 of the Church Bibles. Daniel's Prayer. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants. The prophets, all Israel has transgressed your laws and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. We have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, Turn away from your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. 
Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to steal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Thank you very much, Lassie. John uh, Calvin uh, said this. He he said, uh, as faith springs from the gospel, uh, so by faith our hearts are framed to call upon the name of God. What he's saying is that actually that that as we uh, look at the gospel, as we understand the gospel, uh, faith is sort of a a fruit from it. It sort of springs out into our life. And as that happens, the most natural thing to do, therefore, uh, is to pray. That faith springs out from the gospel, uh, and therefore the most natural thing for our hearts to do uh, is to pray uh, to the Lord. Uh, And Daniel uh, was a man who did that. Uh, Just uh, think back uh, to Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Uh, uh, We read, this is during the vision where uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, uh, and he says, if you don't tell me the dream, I'm going to put you all to death. So what does Daniel do? Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the men of Babylon. To plead for mercy from the God of heaven, to pray. Uh, or or uh, just consider again a few chapters later, uh, chapter 6, uh, the famous Daniel and Lion's Den story. Uh, he's been caught, he, you know, this law has been made. If you pray to anyone other than the king, you're going in the lion's den. Chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Uh, Prayer was the the most natural thing that, that springs from faith. And so for Daniel, it was the most natural thing to do. So when we come to this chapter nine, uh, which is primarily a prayer of Daniel, it should be no surprise to us. So let's, uh, with that in mind, let's pray that the Lord may help us as we uh, look at this chapter together. Father, we uh, thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for the, the stories it shows us. Uh, thank you for these visions that we were given. Uh, thank you also for this prayer of Daniel. And we pray, Lord, that actually that as we uh, look at it for ourselves, it, it most, most both be a, a model for us, uh, but also seeing how actually it points us uh, to the Lord Jesus 
uh, the one who even now prays for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so let's dive into to chapter 9. And the first thing just to notice is, is to when this happens, uh, when uh, this takes place. Uh, verse 1, uh, in the first year of Darius, uh, son of Xerxes. Uh, the king, the Persian king, and this places it roughly at about 539 BC. Or in other words, it's about 70 years after Daniel went into exile. That's been Daniel's life. Pretty much his whole life has been spent in exile. Pretty much his whole time is there. The context, if you will, of Daniel's life is an exile uh, for 70 years. That's what his context is, his situation. Uh, but what else do we find Daniel doing other than sort of serving the king? Well, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel is studying the scriptures. Daniel is somebody who, who is spending his time with the scriptures open, seeking to understand the will of the Lord. That's what he's doing. Because he believes that that's, why, that that's the way that God will speak to him. Which, of course, is why we're, we're such a, a Bible-based church here, that we want to give so much time to the Bible. Because actually we believe that that's the primary way that God will speak to us. Uh, through his word. So we give over time, uh, so much time on a Sunday, uh, to hearing of God's word in our small groups. Just wanting to, to dive in to God's word. And as Daniel does that, uh, as Daniel studies uh, the scriptures, uh, he's driven to prayer, verse 3. Uh, he's driven to prayer. Uh, so I turn to the Lord and plead with him in prayer. And this is a real serious pleading. It's not kind of like, oh, I just send a, a quick sort of one-liner to the Lord. And he, he petitions, he fasts, he, he put on sackcloth in ashes. He's serious. He reads the scriptures. He, he sees them, how the scriptures are speaking into his life, into his context. He's been in exile for 70 years. He's read about how the exile will last for 70 years, and so he pleads with the Lord. And just as an aside, I mean, just as a really good reminder for us, we all have a context in all the life that we live in, that God's word speaks into our lives, and do we respond in prayer? That's what Daniel did. But did you also hear what his prayer was like. But he doesn't say, oh, oh dear God, you know, please help, whatever. No, no it, it, it's serious, it's deep, verses 4 and 5. I prayed the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and Lord's. It's a much fuller, uh, deeper uh, prayer than simply some sort of shopping list. Uh, 
And what he's doing really, he's doing two things in that moment. Uh, He's both confessing his sin and the people's sin, and he's confessing who God is. It's a confession of sin and a confession of faith altogether. Have a look down uh, if you've got the Bible, page 895 in the Bibles. when he, it doesn't hold back his honesty about what life is like. Uh, verse 5, uh, we have sinned and done wrong. Uh, we have been wicked and rebelled. We've turned away. Uh, verse 7, we're covered in shame. Uh, again, verse 7, because of our unfaithfulness to you. Uh, verse 8, we're covered in shame. Uh, We have sinned against you. Verse 10, we've not obeyed. Verse 11, uh, we've transgressed. Uh, Verse 11 again, we've sinned against you. He doesn't hold back. He's not trying to hide it saying, Lord, I know we've done some good things and some bad. He's like, no, we've done some, as a people, we have sinned. We've not met the mark. We've fallen short. We've not done what we ought to have done. And he's really specific as well, verse 6. He says, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. He's saying, look, you sent the servants, the prophets, to help us be drawn back into you. And we've not listened to them. We've not done what we ought to have done. And remember, this is Daniel here, uh, the one who, who prayed three times a day. But he recognises that, that actually there is a corporate nature here to the people. That, that he, as part of God's people, have not done what they ought to have done. He doesn't just say, well, look, them over there are wicked and, and I'm all right over here. No, he says we. I mean, that's why he draws out verse 8, that uh, our kings and princesses, uh, the leaders... We, as God's corporate people, verse 12, deserve your judgment. That we deserve the great disaster that you, will, you could rightly bring upon us. He's not hiding anything back. He, he is completely honest about his situation and, and the situation of the people. But then... Did you notice also, through it all, he has that confession of sin, but he also has that confession of faith, that confession of who God is. Verse 4, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love. Verse 7, Lord, you are righteous. Verse 9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Verse 10. The Lord our God, uh, who is the Lord our God. Verse 12, you have fulfilled. You've done what you promised. He's saying that the Lord is good and faithful. That's who he is. And in this prayer, he's both intermingling his own confession of sin and his confession of faith. It's as if, if you will, he's doing kind of a bit of like when those, you know, washing commercials used to get. You know, here's the whites that washing this, you know, everyday powder, and here's the one washed in Daz Ultra or whatever it might be, other brands available. Um, it's just that moment of comparing the two together. This is what we're like. We're the, the filthy stained rags, and here's the Lord in His perfect, 
perfection. Daniel is honest about what he's like, and he's honest about what the Lord's like. He confesses his sin, and he confesses who God is. But that doesn't stop him from praying. You might think, he might go, well, therefore, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet. But verse 15, he says, now, Lord, our God. At verse 15, he, he suddenly just overflows with who this, his petition to flow out. It's as if actually him saying, I, I, I know what we're like and I know what you're like, therefore I will pray. And he goes on to make his petition, verses 15 and 16. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with your righteous act, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to those around us. He's saying, Lord, we we deserve nothing from you. But please act. Because of who you are. Verse 18. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, because of who you are, restore your city. Because of who you are, restore your temple. Because of who you are, let the world see your glory so that your name will be honored. Not because we're good, We're not, but because you are merciful and faithful. And then we have that wonderful punchy uh, verse 19. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Lord, act because of who you are. But we have sinned. We are not worthy of anything, but you are good. So act for your name. So what do we make of this uh, first part of the chapter? Well, I think in this moment that that Daniel is both a a model uh, and a a pointer. Uh, He points us forward to to another. Uh, Firstly, uh, he's a a model. Daniel prays uh, based on God's word, based on the the things that are happening in his life. That is to say uh, that he's very familiar with his his life. He's been in exile for 70 years. He doesn't have to study that. He's been studying it for 70 years. He knows what's going on. Uh, But then he, he, he is studying God's word, and he allows God's word to inform his life, and then he prays based upon that. We might say he's saturating his, his world with God's word. And as he does that, he longs to, to pray in response to it. And we too 
need to do that. We know our lives, we know what's going on. The ups and the downs, the joys and the sorrows. But we need to take God's word, uh, listen to it, uh, see how it speaks into our lives, and then pray earnestly. But equally, we can have an honesty about our own state. We can say, Lord, we have sinned. We, we don't need to be afraid to, to own that. That if, if somehow that the Lord will reject us because we do. No, like Daniel, we need to see that, that sin is a, is a deadly plague. That, that we, on our own devices, have. That we can be honest. We need to be uh, honest. We need to, uh, to own our sin and, and own our sin corporately as a body, as a, a church, a, a, as a wider church. We need to plead and plead for our nation. Which, of course, why tomorrow, not tomorrow, on Wednesday evening, on Wednesday lunchtime, is such an important time. That we plead with the Lord that he may have mercy. Not because we're righteous, not because we've done good things, but because of who he is. Daniel is a model. That's someone who confesses his own sin and confesses who the Lord is. But he's also a pointer. One who is faithfully interceding for his people. Uh, one who's on his knees praying for his people. Uh, one uh, who is saying, Lord, will you act? Uh, Lord, will you uh, bring your people home? It's hard not when you hear the prayers of Daniel to think of the prayers of the Lord Jesus. The one who would often go on his own to pray. Uh, the one who, who we have uh, prayers that were recorded that he made for his people, even for us uh, in John's gospel. And actually somebody who is still praying today. Uh, Romans uh, 8 verse 34. Who then, so who then is the one who condemns? No one. Uh, Christ Jesus who died, more than that he was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus prayed for his people when he was on the earth and he is still praying now. Uh, Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lonely, uh, said this. Uh, think of it this way. Uh, Christ's heart is a steady reality flowing through time. It isn't if his heart throbbed for his people when he was on the earth, but it's dissipated now that he's in heaven. It's not that his heart was flowing forth in a, a burst, of, burst of mercy that took him all the way to the cross, uh, but has now cooled down, settling back once more into kindly indifference. His heart is as drawn to his people now as it ever was in his incarnate state. And the present manifestation of his heart for his people is his constant interceding on their behalf. Today, Jesus is praying for you. God's son is praying for you. That's mind-blowing. 
that the, the Son at the right hand of the Father is speaking to the Father about you, saying, Lord, will you keep your people? Daniel is this wonderful model of a person who intercedes on his behalf and is praying for his people. And it just points us forward to the, the greater Daniel, to the Lord Jesus, who is praying for his people today. That's staggering. So no, Jesus is praying for you today. But that's not all in our chapter, is it? We have that second bit entitled The Seventy Sevenths. Whenever you uh, look at the Bible, sometimes you might refer to uh, a Bible toolkit, things that you use to help you understand the passage. There's the the repetition tool, where you look, okay, are the repeated words, and that helps you to look at stuff. Uh, There's a context tool that understands the context, and all sorts of different ones. There is a tool which is uh, not spoken about often, uh, which is sometimes applied, which is the skip over it tool which is basically, if you don't understand it, you just skip over it. Um, It'd be very tempting uh, to do that now. Uh, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to skip over it. But I I do want to recognise that these sort of seven, eight verses are are quite tricky. At college, we had a whole seminar devoted to it. We had to go off and and read different sorts of commentators and and try to come back. So here, you can't can't read them, but here are a few slides from my my time at college. If you want them later, I'll gladly give them to you. But it's just to say, you can see that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different views out there of what what, what Daniel is happening and a lot of different ways of understanding it. But but what is the the, the big idea? What is going on? Well, what are the 77s? Verse 24. 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in an everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. The 77s, whatever they may be, uh, at the end of that period, uh, the Lord is going to put an end to transgression and sin uh, and atone for wickedness uh, and set up an everlasting kingdom. That's the, the, the big uh, idea of, of what Daniel's being shown. He's been praying and Gabriel comes and says, look, because of your prayer, uh, let me show you this vision. Uh, and he says, look, at the end of these 77 periods, 77s, this is going to happen. But then he, he breaks it down a, a bit more, uh, verses 25 onwards. And he says, that during this uh, 77, there'll be a period of, of seven sevens, uh, 62 sevens, uh, and one seven. Now, much is made of dates of saying, well, uh, are these years, uh, is it kind of referring to uh, 490 years? Is it referring to this and to that? Uh, much is made of saying, well, uh, maybe this first bit refers to when Daniel came back again, and then we have this other period, and, uh, and maybe this figure that comes out is these sort of other historical figures that do this and that. And I want to say, well... Yes, and. 
Uh, so, so when we look at prophecy, often uh, we look through the lens and it's a bit like a mountain range. In that, yes, it can refer to uh, specific things that are looking ahead, but almost always, it's always going on further. It's pointing us beyond itself. So yes, it may be referring to, to specific events that, that Daniel is being told about, but it's almost, almost always, sorry, it's almost also referring to other things looking onto the future. Uh, an end goal, if you will. So what might that be? Uh, well, I think when we read about 77s, uh, we might have uh, Leviticus 25 in mind. Leviticus 25, when, when Moses is giving uh, laws to the God's people, he says, look, after seven, uh, seven lots of seven, so after 49 years, in the 50th year is to be a year of jubilee, when everything goes back to how it's meant to be. Well, here, uh, we don't have seven times seven. Uh, We've really uh, got seven times seven times ten. Or what we might say, a a kind of an ultimate jubilee. Uh, Not simply when uh, land is given back and land is rested, but when actually when the the, the whole land is really headed to where it's really meant to go. Uh, The whole land uh, finds its true rest. So what does it mean? Well, here's a a summary that someone's called Gentry has given. Uh, The vision of Daniel's 70 weeks then uh, can be explained simply. It refers to a period of 70 sabbaticals or periods of seven years required to bring in the ultimate jubilee. Uh, Release from sin, uh, the establishment of everlasting righteousness and consecration of the temple. Uh, During the first seven sabbaticals, the city of Jerusalem is restored. Then for 62 sabbaticals, uh, there is nothing to report. In the climactic 70th week, Israel's king arrives and dies vicariously for his people. Uh, Strangely, strangely, desecration of the temple, similar to that by Antichius Epiphanes in the Greek Empire, is perpetrated by the Jewish people themselves, resulting in the destruction of Jerusalem. These events are fulfilled in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He is the coming king. His crucifixion is a sacrifice to end all sacrifices and the basis of the new covenant with the many. What does that mean? Well, here's here's my summary. Daniel, you will return. Very soon, you're going to go back to the land. But that's not the goal. There will be ups and downs in the meantime, but be assured of this, that just the right time, I will rule and reign. I will win. Daniel, you've been pleading for your people. You will return. But know this, I will win. That's what Daniel needs to hear. He needs to know that the sin of his people would be forgiven. He needs to know that the, the, the city would be restored, but actually the ultimate goal is something far bigger. So today, what do we need to know? This is not our home. 
There will be ups and downs. But just the right time, Jesus will rule and reign. He will win. Daniel pleaded for the Lord in light of his life and in light of the scriptures. And the Lord said, I will rule and reign. I will win. Each of us need to plead with the Lord. As we read the scriptures, as we see that through the lens of our lives. But we need to know that this is not home. There'll be ups and downs. But just the right time, Jesus will return and his rule and reign will be truly established. And at that moment, he will win and so gloriously we will as well. Amen. On the screens now, um, we see words of the confession. Uh, words that, that, that are said, we say often week by week. Uh, these words have been said for, for centuries. These particular uh, use of words. But as we say them, let us not say them just as they trip off the tongue, but as we can be honest and say that actually that we as individuals and we as a people have strayed like lost sheep that we have not done those things we ought to have done. That we are those who left our own devices ought to face God's justice. Let us confess our sin, not because God is a tyrant who will turn us away, but he's a loving father who wants us to come in. Let us say together, Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things that we ought to have done. And we have done those things that we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But you, O Lord, have mercy upon us sinners. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent. According to your promises, declare to mankind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may live a disciplined, righteous, and godly life to the glory of your holy name. Amen.